folding pocket. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Fast and the Curious is part of the Acast Creators Network. You enjoy it now. Hello and welcome back to The Fast and the Curious with me, Bessie Glover. And me, Formula One fan, Christian Hugill. Hello there. <laughs> what a lovely intro you just gave yourself. Uh, it's just me and you today, Christian. We haven't got Greg because he is still at the cricket. He's still at the cricket. I went for a walk uh, yesterday in a field in Leicestershire and saw some people playing cricket. But I understand that isn't the Ashes. That was just people playing cricket in a field. Greg's at the Ashes because it's a big Ashes day today. So uh, he was off doing that because he likes his cricket. You wouldn't know, but he, he mentions it every single podcast. I was wondering where you were going with that story. Um, yeah, I think Greg lives at the Oval because he was also at the Oval when we did our podcast with Oscar Priastri earlier in the week. He must be sleeping in one of the corridors, I think, Christian. But he'll be back next time. He sleeps there, but he pops home once a day in the tea break of the ashes to uh, moisturise and perfectly texturise his perfectly maintained hair. I've also heard that he wears eye masks and face masks to keep his skin very moisturised. He also sleeps in a stand-up oxygen chamber (laughs) to keep himself youthful. It's true. This is all true. Shall we talk about the inevitable then? (laughs) Max Verstappen winning yet another Grand Prix, his eighth straight victory. Yes. You said that Spa is one of your favourite tracks, right? Did it live up to your expectations? Not really, no. (laughs) Go on. No, I've got nothing more to add. Uh, you can tweet us if you like. No, uh, <laughs> uh, no he's really it, it, proud it, of himself there, by the way, with that <laughs> little joke. He sat there giggling on his own. <laughs> no, it, no, it it did. Um, it's a fantastic track, and we saw for certainly the first third of the Grand Prix how much overtaking there was. At this point, while we've mentioned some of the top 10, should we just have a quick run through the top 10? Go on then. Well, Sergio Perez, a much better weekend in second. That is what he needs from Red Bull. So two weekends in a row now of a much improved Sergio Perez, which he needed. Charles Leclerc finished third, much better for Ferrari pace-wise this weekend. Um, Lewis Hamilton got the best he possibly could out of it in fourth and has just been impressive all weekend. As has Fernando Alonso, bar an extremely rare mistake from him in the sprint race. But again, slightly better from Aston Martin. George Russell, sixth, battled back well. Lando drove a sensational race to run through to P7. A slightly better bit of pace from Alpine for 8th and 11th. It's just so hard with Ocon 8th and Gasly 11th. So hard to scrap for these last few points. But again, Ocon will be pleased with his points. Lance Stroll in 9th. And an excellent point. Oh my God, sorry to interrupt you, Christian. But did you see Lance Stroll falling over on the... Um, he slipped on the stairs outside their hospitality in the, in the paddock and fell over. I did not see the video. Fantastic. 
made my Saturday. Anyway, carry on. Why are you wishing ill on poor old Lance? I'm not wishing. He was absolutely fine. He got up and he strutted inside, but it was just brilliant comedy. Lance Stroll struggling in wet conditions, clearly. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and a very impressive point from Yuki Tsunoda and Alpha Tauri. So it, it did live up to it because it is it is spectacular to see the cars going through a rouge. And we saw such brave overtaking manoeuvres today. So it did li- live up to it. Another thing I keep saying regularly is we're due a classic race. And we haven't really had one this season. This has not been the worst Formula One season I've watched in terms of battles. But it's not been the best. And and Australia was quite chaotic. But we we are due an absolute classic. And it wasn't the absolute classic, but it was better than Hungary. And I think all the different strategies playing out made it quite an interesting one to watch. So it was a good race without being a spectacular race. Let's talk about Max Verstappen. Obviously, his eighth straight victory. Um, I was thinking, how far back do you think Verstappen would have to be to not win a Grand Prix? Because he's now won races from P1, P2, P3, P4, P6, P7, P9, P10 and P14. Uh, there was a lot of P's there, wasn't there? Uh, I'll have a P, please, Bob. Um, I think he would have to be P20 plus a lap to not win at the moment. I think you could put him at the back of the grid and he'd still quite comfortably win. Or you insist he has a sort of break at a service station. You know, goes and plays. <laughs> you know, at every services, there's those like... Um, Arcade games. Yeah. And no one's ever in them except a slightly questionable looking man with a beard. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, you, could, you, could, you could put him in one of those for 20 minutes and then you might, you might not. But... I got quite a lot of tweets during the race making excuses. So, i.e., oh, it's because Max's car is better than Sergio's. It's because Sergio had a slow pit stop. It's because Sergio's strategy wasn't as good. I'm sorry, you're just wrong. Max is operating at a far higher level than Sergio Perez. Much better weekend from Sergio Perez. If Sergio Perez has more weekends like this, he will keep his drive for next season. He's done everything they need him to do. He's second in the race. He'd have been there to pick up the pieces if Max had had a puncture or something stupid. Sergio did everything he needs to do. And by the way, you have to be a bloody good F1 driver to do what Sergio's done in his career. I say that a lot. But Max is on another level. To the extent that even if Lewis Hamilton, Lando Norris, George Russell... Fernando Alonso was in this Red Bull next to him. I think it'd be tricky to beat him. I I can't remember seeing an F1 driver in such dominant form. He's exceptional. Do you think, because I remember asking you, I think it must have been two races into this season, and I remember saying to you, if Hamilton was the other Red Bull driver racing Max, who do you think would win? And you were like, "Mm, don't know, couldn't call it. I think it'd be really close if it was Fernando or Lewis in particular. In, in certain points of Formula One history, you see driver and car perfectly in tune. Sebastian Vettel and Red Bull was a really good example of that. Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes was a good example of that. Michael Schumacher and Ferrari. But, but this seems almost a step above those. The car suits his driving style perfectly. This is not just historic in terms of Max's sheer ability over his teammate, but that car's ability over the rest of the grid is historic. And that is why I do believe that he could start from the pit lane, start from 20th, and you'd see him win because that is a spectacular, evil beast of a Formula One car that will happily destroy 
anyone in its path. It's a, it's <laughs> a, it's an awful machine for its competitors. It's the stuff of nightmares. It's just a different level. Like you, you talk about how good the car is and how dominant it is, and how good Max is. And Max is isn't exactly an old fella. He's still so young. Is this going to go on for years, this dominance, do you think, Christian? The brutal reality is it could. That is a worry for Formula One. But the rise of McLaren shows you how quickly you can, under this current F1 rule structure, make big gains. It's too early to write next season off. As if I'm sat here on Sunday the 30th of July going, it's too early to write next season off, but that, but we are where we are. And let's also not forget the sliding scale of aerodynamic development. Ooh. So the teams who finish behind Red Bull in the Constructors' Championship this season will have more time to develop their car in the wind tunnel than Red Bull. So all is not lost for next season yet. You mentioned McLaren. Should we talk about the absolute roller coaster of a weekend for Oscar Piastri, who we spoke to just before the race? Basically, he obviously had a brilliant Saturday. He was leading the sprint at one point, and then today, very, very different situation for him. I don't actually need to talk too much about Oscar because I've said it in recent episodes. There's not too much I can do without repeating myself. He's special. I just believe he's special. I believe he's up there with your Lando Norris's George Russell, Charles Leclerc characters who are going to be part of this sport for a long time to come, who will battle for race wins, who will battle for championships. Unbelievable Saturday from Oscar. Proved his pace. That is the trickiest of tricky conditions. Spa in drying conditions. Hardest circuit to drive a Formula One car. Hardest conditions to drive a Formula One car. Every test put in front of Oscar Piastri, he smashes with flying colours. A++++. He doesn't even need to come to the next lesson because he's already so far ahead of the class. He's passing every exam. He was really unlucky in the race today, but Carlos Sainz had to break suddenly to avoid Lewis Hamilton. He slid. He hit Oscar. He caused him damage. It, it ruined both Carlos and Oscar's race. It was a racing incident. Spa is a very tight first corner. These things happened in racing, which brings me on to something. I knew you were about to do this. <laughs> yeah, Right, okay. I'm going to have a rant. And anyone who's been with us since the start will know this is not my style. Let me get my popcorn, Christian. Hold on, where is it? Okay, you do that. I need to get comfortable for this because I feel like this is going to go on for a bit. So It won't go on too long, just 20, just 20 or 30 minutes. Um, What really annoyed me this weekend was the reaction to Lewis Hamilton trying to go up the inside of Sergio Perez. Okay, he went up the inside. Okay, the move didn't quite work. But clearly... Sergio was slower. Clearly the gap was there. He tried it. It didn't quite work. There was minor contact. It was minor contact. And that contact, was, unfortunately for Sergio, caused him damage. We're in an era where Formula One is trying to capitalise on its popularity from the increasing growth of the sport, from the exciting drivers, the social media presence, from Drive to Survive. So let's encourage racing, shall we? In sprint races where we're saying, we want more racing. So Lewis Hamilton says, I'll show you some racing. People calling for Hamilton. Hamilton got points on his license for that move. If we want people to stay and fall in love with this sport, bold, exciting racing. Stop giving out penalties every other overtaking manoeuvre. We mentioned Oscar. Last weekend, there was an incident with Sergio and Oscar where mm. Sergio pushed him wide and Oscar had damage. And Oscar, because he's a lovely legend, turned around and said, I'd have done the same if I was Sergio. More of that, please. Less whinging over team radio when someone's put a bold move. Less five-second penalties. More. Do you know what? It's good, hard, bold racing. 
frankly, with the same winner week in, week out, we need a bit of bloody excitement. So let's not be punishing them for trying to stick it up the inside. That's what we should be encouraging. <laughs> Thank you. Rant over. Stick it up the inside. How, can I just open a window? Well, I think it's that rant, to be honest with you. It must have just got you sweating. It got, all going. It got you going. That is, that is my rant. I want to pick up on something that you said. You know you said that Hamilton got points on his licence? Yes. How many points do you have to get before you're banned then? How does it work? If a driver is a judge to have done something wrong enough, they will be given points on their license, just like we have points on our driving license. 12 points means you get a ban. I think it's a one race ban. Yes, it is. Hamilton got two points on his license for that. I think that was a racing incident. There is such a thing as a racing incident, i.e., yes, it might have been slightly more one driver's fault than the other, but actually these things happen in racing. We let it slide. So, yeah, 12 points equals a ban. So 12 points equals a ban. Will they ever have to be in a driver's awareness course? Will we ever see Hamilton sitting there with some coffee and some biscuits having to listen to... Some old person. <laughs> yeah, if you get six penalty points, what happens is you have to go to what is often a sort of budget hotel in a town centre. Just off the M6. <laughs> exactly. A slightly superior man, often with a clipboard, who's clearly enjoying the power he's got, gives you a little bit of a, uh, a sort of um, a rant about why it's important, pep talk about why it's important to drive uh, slowly. <laughs> Christian. We're going to stop talking about uh, driver's awareness courses because we've got quite a lot of questions that have come in for you, as always. And um, Remember, if you do have any questions for Christian or any of us, you can get in touch with us. We're on Instagram at FastCuriousPod. You can also email us, FastAndCurious at ACAST.com. Now, this is from Ben. He says, just watching the Belgian Grand Prix, when uh, they were waiting in the pits for the rain to clear, the commentators were talking about the impact on the schedule to F2 races as well. I then thought, where are the F2 pits? Surely they don't swap in and out every session. Excellent question, Ben. The simple answer is sometimes they do exactly that. So the sort of permanent fixtures and fittings in a Formula One garage belong to the Formula One teams because they get priority. Um, but, but quite simply, sometimes the F2 and F3 teams just wheel everything in. So everything is just on trolleys. So everything just gets wheeled in. Then after the F2 race, it just gets wheeled out. And it's a really simple, smooth process. At certain circuits, there is a different F2 pit lane. Uh, but not all of them. Depends track to track. Okay, few more here. And um, this is from not Aaron Desvu. Don't know if I've said that correctly. But pardon, who's it? Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Betty. Who's it from? Somebody called not Aaron Desvu on Instagram. They've said this season is the most boring in years and years. Are you over it like my friends and I? I'll be honest with you. Scrolling through our, we did a little thing on Instagram saying send us your thoughts, and we've had so many responses. There's quite a few feeling like that. It's tough for the sport when there is one team dominating because, Mm. listen, I I didn't find the race boring. I'm not finding the season boring because, as we keep saying on this podcast, weekend in, weekend out, there are so many subplots and and the battle for second is really interesting. And Betty, we've said before, we're both big football fans. Sometimes, for example, a Manchester City will run away with the league, but the relegation scrap will be interesting. The battle for the Champions League places will be interesting. And I think we've got that with this this season. This is sport. And this does happen in sport and we are witnessing a historic performance from a team and driver in perfect harmony. And you will find also passionate Formula One fans saying, actually, we're living through history that will be talked about for decades. So, no, I'm I'm not bored of it. And actually, if I was, I'd say 
but I'm not. That These are still entertaining Grand Prix. As I keep saying, I wish we got a classic, but no, I'm not over it. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with you. This is my first season where I have properly followed F1 for every single race, watched every single race, haven't missed a race. And I'm still finding it really enjoyable. Like, I think you've got to focus on those subplots. I think you've got to get to a stage... I've got to this stage where I'm going, okay, Max is going to win this and it's not going to upset me <laughs> that Max is going to win this now because he's phenomenal. No. So I'm going to make yeah, peace I've with it. I've made peace with it. Should we get back to our Instagram DMs? Because I really like this one from Lewis underscore Mitchell seven. He says, Max's radio comments were rude. If anyone else did it, the media would be outraged. What do you think about that? Uh, I disagree with Lewis entirely. <laughs> I couldn't disagree with Lewis anymore. <laughs> and the reason I couldn't disagree with Lewis anymore is because we have seen so many ratty radio messages over the years can we just give these guys a bit of credit here that they're driving at 200 miles per hour on one of the trickiest circuits of the year Uh, max some of his comments were a bit rude yes but we only hear a tiny probably about six or seven percent of all the messages played if you listen to all the messages you would realize grumpy drivers is not unusual because they are in extreme stress. And I've interviewed a lot of race engineers who say, yeah, it's perfectly normal. It's the heat of the battle and we have a smile about it afterwards. Max and his race engineer get on very well with each other to the extent that um, Giampiero Lambiassi, Max's race engineer, has been with him since he was 18. Max was a little bit rude this weekend and he did take it a little bit too far, but they all do every now and then. And ladies and gentlemen, it's sport. Tensions get raised high. Yeah, they do. Um, They were very spicy. But also, his race engineer does give it back. He did say, use your head. And also, sorry, there was a great one where Max apologised to Lambiassi. And Lambiassi just turned around and went, it's okay, Max. I'm slowly getting used to it. Get Bear in mind, they've known each other since Max was a child. (laughs) So... That, that we don't need to worry about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, if I, I, I couldn't be a race engineer, by the way, like with Max Verstappen talking to me like that, though. I'd no, do you proper, couldn't. I could not deal with it. I'd do a proper Toto Wolf. I'd like rip my headphones off, slam it on the floor and just start crying or something because I couldn't handle that. But. There are so many reasons why you couldn't be a race engineer. Your spectacular lack of organisation, <laughs> uh, your inability to keep calm under pressure. Sorry. No, no, no. I'll... I'll take all of that, but I can I can handle my pressure. Thank you very much, Christian. I know, I was being mean. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I was being mean. The, no, you can keep calm under pressure, the, but, but you're terribly organised. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't organise anything, so there we go. One thing that we haven't spoken about is Alpine. Obviously, their team principal, Otmar, has left. What kind of impact is this going to have on the team and, and kind of what has actually happened? It's fascinating, actually... Um, team principals departing mid-season is unusual. Alpine used to be known as Renault. Uh, They got rid of their team principal a couple of years ago, Cyril, and replaced him with Otmar Saf now because they wanted to be further towards the front. This is the Renault team that have previously won world championships. And I was at the Alpine season launch back in February where they said, this season we want to solidify our fourth place in the championship behind Red Bull, Mercedes and Ferrari. We really want to solidify our places best of the rest so that in the future we can look to join them in the battle. And if anything, they've slipped back. You know, Aston Martin have come forward, McLaren are now coming forward and Alpine haven't been quick enough. And if you're Otmar Safnau and in fact, the team's sporting director, Alan Permain, 
They've both gone after the Belgian Grand Prix. They both were of the opinion, listen, we have put structures in place that will have a benefit long term. Alpine's management don't feel that they have seen strong enough improvements and ultimately everybody seems to agree that a change has been made with Otmar saying, well, listen, if you, it's not going to happen any quicker. And Alpine saying, well, we want it to happen quicker. To, to answer your original question, Betty, about what impact it'll have for the rest of the season, I think they'll muddle on to the rest of the season. And, and now that team will, will focus on putting in place a brand new management structure, ASAP. A couple of rumours about who could replace him, um, one of which is Gunter Steiner's best friend. Matteo Bonotto, who we spoke to Gunter about when we did our live show at Silverstone. We did. Matteo Bonotto, ex-Ferrari uh, team principal. I think that would be a clever move from Alpine, actually. And don't forget, this is Alpine that have had... Um, Hollywood investment from Ryan Reynolds. They've signed Zinedine Zidane up as an ambassador. It's a team, as I've said, that have won world championships with Fernando Alonso. They are not in Formula 1 to be a midfield outfit. They want to win races and challenge for Grand Prix. Getting tougher and tougher at the top in F1, and this is just a sign of it. Well, I, for one, am buzzing for Gunter Steiner that he's going to have his coffee mate back. Let's not count our chickens before. Let's not count our espressos before they've been steamed. (laughs) You don't steam espressos, Christian. Come on. I don't know. What am I? I don't know. I was just trying to make a coffee gag. Christian, this has been a pleasure. We don't have a race next weekend because the drivers are going on their little summer holidays. We're not going on a summer holiday, though, are we? Unfortunately. No, I'm going downstairs to continue roasting a chicken, um, which isn't quite as exciting (laughs) as a summer holiday. Uh, And then the next Formula One Grand Prix is the Dutch Grand Prix at the end of August. That's what we've got to look forward to. But we'll be back before then. We'll be, we'll be keeping you company throughout the summer break with some F1, loosely based F1 chat. And uh, Greg will come and have a chat to us as well and we'll talk about the season so far. Our first ever half season in Formula 1 on the Fast and the Curious. It'll be lovely. Oh, I am so excited. And if you want to get involved with any of that or if you have any questions, you can contact us on Instagram at Fast Curious Pod. We're also on TikTok and you can get in touch via email to fastandcuriousacast.com we're not heading off for a break like you said we'll be back later in the week goodbye bye everyone off to do my chicken now enjoy (laughs) 